It's good to be with you this evening. Good to be back in Lebanon. And uh, I feel very at home when I come here. I know a lot of you, and you always make me feel at home. It's not because I feel at home based upon my knowing you, but I feel at home because you make me feel that way. So uh, I give you greetings. Greetings from all the staff and all the missionaries that are associated with Church Extension Ministries. And you know, I always find that uh, there's someone in a crowd when I speak that doesn't know about Church Extension Ministries. And so there may be one or two or more here this evening that don't know about Church Extension Ministry. And let me just say that we are the mission arm of the Bible Fellowship Church that seeks to evangelize, win people to the Lord, and plant new Bible Fellowship churches. That's our charge. Uh, the men who serve us and serve you, they're really your church planters, uh, your church planters who serve in church extension ministries, are charged specifically with expanding the Bible Fellowship Church. And that's, that's our vision statement, to be an ever-expanding fellowship of churches. And I, I guess I'm biased to a great degree, but also I, I truly believe that the only way you expand and extend a denomination like the Bible Fellowship Church is through church planting, evangelistic church planting. And we can praise God that in the last number of years, we've been able to see uh, four in the last four years, four, four I, I should say in the last five years, four of the mission churches uh, graduate and expand and extend the Bible Fellowship Church. And we're so pleased with that. So for any of you who don't know about us, and maybe there's some of you here this evening that don't receive updates from us via what we call the Antiochian Report, which is a weekly email report. I left the clipboard. I didn't put my display up this evening, but I left the clipboard back there in the visitor's uh, center there on top of the counter with a pen. And if you'd like to put your name and email address, we'd love for you to get our weekly Antiochian Report so that you can keep abreast of what's happening with your church planting missionaries and also keep abreast of other things that are going on in church extension, especially some of the new things. Tonight I just want to talk to you about church planting. Uh, so if you don't mind, at the end we'll look at the Word of God and close with the Word of God. But uh, right now for the next number of minutes that we have before us, i really like to just talk to you about church planting and then also bring you up to speed and up to date with what's happening with your church planters uh, as of even this day when I had to uh, revise the PowerPoint that I'm going to share with you. Uh, so when we talk about church planting, uh, I, I have found that church planting, when I first began in this ministry 14 years ago, uh, and Brother Leroy was involved with church planting so many years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've, we've, come, we've made a different, we've come a long way, let's put it that way. In the past 10 years, something new has happened. Church planting, maybe not so much back in your era, Leroy, but in the past 20, 25, 30 years, uh, church planting was looked upon as some kind of a maverick enterprise. Uh, you had maverick guys doing strange things out there and uh, innovative things and all kinds of ways to reach people and meeting in restaurants and meeting in old buildings and, and, and starting churches wherever they possibly could get a space to bring people together to hear the teaching of the gospel. In the last five to ten years, God's Spirit has blown a fresh wind 
into American Christianity, but even more so, even before American Christianity, in the world, as far as countries throughout the world now, and the churches in those countries seeing the viability, not only the viability, but the biblical demand upon the church to win people to Christ and plant new churches. But in America, and I just want to stick here in America for a while, in America, we have seen a tremendous change take place with regard to church planting, now being looked upon as God's means to his ends of building his kingdom and reaching his elect people. And I think we should have come up with that a long time ago. Uh, And we did, but then we forgot about it. And now, in the last five to ten years, we really see a resurgence in interest and teaching and formulation of new church starts. Ed Stetzer, who's in charge of Lifeway Resources and writes a lot about uh, uh, church planting and church planters, he might be called a guru of church planting, Uh, last year uh, wrote in his blog that there are 4,000 new churches being started every year in America. Compared to when I first came on board 14 years ago, there were about 1,200 churches being started and about 3,500 to 4,000 churches closing. Now, there are still that many churches closing, but we have reached a point where we're close to opening as many new churches as there are closing throughout the United States. And that's a real indicator of what I'm trying to get across to you, and that is evangelistic church planting here in America is really catching steam. And I think one of the real proponents that have helped it to catch steam has been the megachurch. I I used to talk somewhat disparagingly about the megachurch, but now, at least in this this arena, I I talk positively. Because it was the megachurch about six, seven years ago, or megachurch movement in America, that began to release their people send them out. Uh, Some were satellite campus uh, uh, plans, but a lot were particular church planting plans. And so we, we can thank the Lord for some of these large churches realizing that the way to build the kingdom of God is through sacrifice, through giving ourselves up and releasing people into new communities, into areas that need the solid preaching and teaching of the scriptures. So that phenomenon, and even that phenomenon makes the basis for our our forward plan, our new forward plan. We call it fresh wind. And in that plan, we we, we try to catch that, that movement of the Holy Spirit in the last 10 years and want to focus on that and keep our eyes on the Spirit and try to adapt our Bible Fellowship Church planting along the lines of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I believe, that's, <clears throat> I believe that's very biblical also, because Jesus did what his Father did. And we want to do what the Father's doing through his Spirit now, and that is new churches starting all over the United States. And so church planting in the last 10 years has really come to the forefront, both in biblical exegesis, theological terms, when you look at God's kingdom, how does he build his kingdom? He builds it through evangelism and the planting of churches. That's spelled out in a whole other message that I could have preached tonight, 
in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and then picking the story up in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, when we see these people scattered out of Jerusalem, Christians scattered out because of the persecution of Stephen, God not wanting the church to be incubated in the city of Jerusalem, but wanting the church to move out in Judea and Samaria, he uses persecution. He uses the death of one of the most fervent and active evangelists at that time, which was Stephen. And tells us in Acts chapter 8-1, because of that persecution, they were scattered. What a beautiful word, scattered there. It's also used then when the story picks up in chapter 11, verse 19. That word is from the Old Testament writings. It talks about, uh, and you're in a good agricultural area here, it talks about digging into your bag of seeds and throwing them out and trusting that fruit will come forth from it. Well, that's that word. Because of the persecution, the Christians in Jerusalem were scattered. They were thrown out in all parts of Judea and Samaria. They come into the city of Antioch in Acts chapter 11, verse 19. And the same terminology is used there, re-emphasis by Dr. Luke. Those who were scattered because of the persecution began to preach and proclaim and dialogue with people about Jesus. And they ended up, you know, a large church was planted in Antioch in Acts chapter 11, 26. They were first called Christoses, little Jesuses. They talked, they acted, they, they, they looked like Jesus, so much so that the pagans said, they're little Christ, they're little Christoses, they're little Jesuses. And as the story picks up, you go to Acts chapter 13, and there the Holy Spirit now uses this church, Antioch, to release its best people, Barnabas and Saul. And now the last dimension of that great commission given in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is going to be met. They're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel, so much so that by the time Acts chapter 17 comes around, pagans are looking at them coming into their city and say, hey, these are the guys that turned the world upside down. We know it's turning the world right side up, isn't it? But that's the church planting enterprise. And it has that biblical, that strong biblical foundation that God has an end to his purpose and plans for redemption, and that is to save a particular people unto himself. And the means are spelled out very clearly, I think, from Matthew chapter 16, 18, when Christ declares he's going to uh, birth the church and, and build the church, right on through to the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the the church established in Acts chapter 2, and then in Acts chapter 11, the church moving out and planting in Antioch and all these other cities that ensue from Acts chapter 13. And so the church planting enterprise today is being seen through that biblical lens. It's no longer a maverick enterprise that's doing its own thing out there, but it is the biblical way for God to build his church and his kingdom. Practically, uh, you know, we talked about biblically, uh, the foundation is also a practical foundation. It just makes sense to multiply, doesn't it? Churches planting churches. When we look back in our history of the Bible Fellowship Church, in the 40, late 40s and 50s, there was a tremendous growth of churches in the Bible Fellowship Church. Why? Because churches were planting churches. They released their people, went into a new community, and started a new work. 
And that happened all throughout America, for that matter. So it's practically uh, the foundation for God, not only biblically, but practically it's the foundation for God building his kingdom. And evangelistically. New churches are more evangelistic than established churches. That's a given fact. It's not my fact. But any church planting missiologist, any missions missiologist will tell you, a new church will be more aggressive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The average church in America sees one conversion growth per year. The average church plant is about six to seven. And I think that statistic holds very well for the Bible Fellowship Church. When I look down through the baptismal records and so forth of the Bible Fellowship Church, uh, when I hear of conversion growth in the Bible Fellowship Church, it's really the church plants that each year are seeing 60 to 80 people saved in these 10 to 12 church plants every year. That's a fantastic, that's an average, like I said, of about five to six, uh, that is the national church planting average. And so church plants evangelistically are intentionally more focused on going out, reaching people, gathering them in, presenting the gospel to them, and seeing them get saved, because that's what establishes the church. We really don't want church plants built up. Now, we don't kick anybody out. But we really don't want to focus on stealing the sheep from somebody else or gathering a bunch of disgruntled Christians into the new church plant. We want to see, and I tell my men this all the time, I said the most loyal people to you, the most dedicated people to you will be those that are saved through your ministry. And I know Brother Heller and myself, we can look back over our years of ministry and we can remember those individuals that we led to the Lord and had a part in their salvation plan And those individuals were so precious in our memories, so precious in our ministries, and your life and your ministry also. So, church planting. Church planting is biblically God's means for extending his kingdom. It's also functionally and practically the best way to go about reaching people with the gospel because a church plant will be more aggressive with the gospel. And it's also evangelistically exciting to see your church planters out there hitting the bricks with the gospel in all kinds of innovative ways and all kinds of makeshift facilities uh, to reach people and establish a church. It's an exciting ministry. And I want to share with you, up to date, your church planters in the Bible Fellowship Church who are some of, the, some of the most exciting men and sacrificial men that I know of, men who were chemical engineers and gave up a career in chemical engineering, making six figures, to come into the Bible Fellowship Church and plant a church. You know, men who were on their way to other professions and careers in the secular world. And... God led them to plant a church. And it takes sacrifice, diligent work, and commitment to do what they're called to do, and that is to reach people with the gospel and start something entrepreneurially from nothing and build it into a church that glorifies God. So I want to share with you your church planting family 
and I'm going to have to uh, stand over here a little bit so I can see the screen and give a nod to our man back there. Uh, this, is, this is the group in total, as a matter of fact. Uh, and interestingly enough, we have two training days a year, one round table, I mean two round table, yeah, two training days a year, one round table discussion time a year, where we try to gather all the planters together, and praise God, at this last training day, they were all there. Sometimes there's always one or two that can't make it, but we, they were all there, so I said, let's get a picture, you know. And this is the whole crew together. Let's start out up in South Allentown. This has been a long-time ministry of the Bible Fellowship Church. About 14 years we've been attempting to establish a solid, stable church in South Allentown among the Hispanic community there. Over the years, we have reached many people with the gospel. But this is a very transient community. The Spanish people that live there are in, then they're out. They're there for a few years, then they're not there for a few years. And they'll, they'll, the, the, the lack of commitment really has been something of a challenge over these years. But praise God that he's kept the witness of the gospel in that predominantly Spanish community, about 90% Hispanic. He's kept this solid witness of the gospel there, and people hear the truth. Whether it's in the walls of the church or by the group going out, they just recently held light in the park, in the, the playground there in South Allentown, they, 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 Allentown, not Toon, uh, they brought about 200 kids all week long in and out of that program, which reflected on about 300 parents that were coming out too. And now their job is to try to reach those parents. But during that week, I would say hundreds heard the clear preaching of the gospel. Uh, will we ever get a church established there? I hope, I hope we do. Uh, I hope it can be a self-supporting church, and I hope it can reach those goals that we have set, the criteria we set for a mission church. A mission church is what we categorize as a church plant. And a mission church remains in that status until it meets the criteria I'm going to show you in a few minutes here and becomes a particular church received into the denomination. So these are mission churches that these men's, men work at. Uh, Stephen came to us from Send International. He was a missionary in, in Spain for five years and came back here because he had a burden for the tremendous growth of Hispanic community here in America. 23-plus million Hispanics in America, and it continues to grow. And Stephen had a burden for that. He heard about the. He grew up in Allentown. Knew, was very familiar with our Bible Fellowship churches there in Allentown, actually went to Christian school at the Lehigh Christian, uh, uh, Lehigh Christian Academy, which has one of its campuses at our Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. So he was very familiar with us, heard about the opportunity there, and accepted the call to go there. He's been there a little bit over a year, and from about 20 people, he's now at about 40 people. And so he's kind of in one and a half years, and I have to remind him that he's doubled the, the attendance there in one and a half years. Uh, he really gets frustrated that he can't reach more with the gospel and bring them into the doors of the church. And I keep reminding him, the doors of the church are not necessarily always the result of the ministry of the gospel. And so just keep going, keep focusing. So he's up there, and I'm going to give you prayer requests as I go along here, Okay. So you may want to, I know you're a praying church, I've been out here on Wednesday night with you, uh, so I'd like you to give you some prayer requests to jot down and pray for. 
pray for Stephen and that he would see God's favor upon him just to have some fruit to this very energetic ministry that he's embarked on there. Aaron Sussex down here is out in Gettysburg in Adams County, Pennsylvania, and Aaron has a very unique approach to planting a church. Uh, He is not all that favorable of four walls. (laughs) Uh, He wants to release his people and push them out into the community, equip them to go out and reach people in their context and build relationships. And he's embarked on that new paradigm of ministry this past year, and it's showing some fruit. Uh, I think he needs to tweak it a little bit, and he thinks he needs to do that too. Uh, So pray that God would give him the vision to adjust his approach to ministry out there in such a way that it would really be in tune with the culture and also with, with, uh, with the Holy Spirit's movement there. Uh, but he's seeing some results, and praise God for that. Now, you are the first church where I'm publicly going to announce this. Uh, it'll soon be in the Antiochian, but Cape Community, Cape May, New Jersey... Uh, Mission Church, is going to need a new church planter. Keith Strunk has done a fantastic job in only the two and a half years that he's been there, and he shared with me some exciting news and yet some really disappointing news, and that is that the Hellertown Church, and I'll tell you, you know about Tim Zook leaving Hellertown. Uh, Hellertown sent out Tim Zook to plant in Forks Township, Pennsylvania. We'll look at that in a moment. Uh, In doing that, Hellertown had a search for a new pastor, and they approached Keith. He's from that area up there. I think he really just wanted to get back to that area and and minister in that area. And he's accepted a call to go to Hellertown. And so we now are in need of someone to finish the job. It's getting there. It's just about getting to the finish line. That church, we were ready to close about four years ago. It only had about 12 people in there. Now they're averaging over 60. In the summertime, the place is filled, over 100 uh, for the summer months because of the people traveling into that area. I want you to pray hard for two things regarding Cape Community. Number one, that God would send us someone to pick up the baton and carry it to the finish line. We're not that far away. So pray for God to send a man to do that. Number two, Pray that Keith's leaving would not do any, would not have any negative results in terms of growth and the people who are there. He's made a great impact on those people. A lot of those people are there because of him. And so pray that this transition would go well and God would provide a man to lead that ministry to the finish line. Julia and Josh, or I should say Joshua and Julie DePeach. Did you have Joshua out here at the church at all? Okay, I thought Pastor uh, Reed mentioned something about maybe getting him out here. Yeah. Joshua was born in Haiti. He went to uh, Eastern uh, University where he met Julie. Julie's from Quakertown. Her family was in the church when I pastored the Quakertown church. I held her in my arms and dedicated her to the Lord years ago. Wow, is that dating me, huh? And... uh, uh, she was such a beautiful young, she is such a beautiful young woman. They met at the uh, university, got married, moved into Germantown, Mount Airy section of Philadelphia, a tough section in Philadelphia. 
but yet it's a multicultural section and a multi-generational part of Philly and a multi-social part of Philadelphia also. They have started backyard Bible, Bible, uh, they have, not Bible, they've started backyard barbecues on Sunday nights, I think, or Saturday nights. And they're trying to gather people in order to start a group that will meet and worship the Lord. Uh, last week, they had 10 out at their barbecue. Some of them showed up to the Monday night Bible study. That Bible study is growing. It's at about eight or nine people right now. Really pray that their efforts... Now, he's doing this bivocationally. He works three days a week at um, U.S. Air over at the Philly Airport. And she teaches school during the school year. At a, uh, she taught in the Philadelphia school district. Then she switched last year to a Christian school in Philadelphia. So they're really working hard. This is taking a lot of energy for them. Pray for their energy. Pray that they would start to see people stick to what's, what they're doing and start to create this church. And this is exciting because it's been a long time since the Bible Fellowship Church has entered the, a large metro area to plant a church. And I really am blessed, and you should be really blessed, to have a young man and his wife like this. They have no children at this time, but a young man and his wife dedicate themselves to planting a church in a very challenging area in the Germantown, Mount Airy section. This is your Spanish contingent in Reading. And uh, Carlos uh, came to us as a missionary, came to America as a missionary. And we're seeing more and more of that. We're seeing more and more countries outside in the world send missionaries to America. And why is that? Because America has seen a tremendous influx of the world to our doorstep. That's another sermon we could preach, too, another uh, time we could take together. The world is here. It's right here. And we have to take advantage of the, of the multicultural mosaic that God is forming. What is, you, know, you have to look up and say, God, what are you doing? You're bringing all these people here. Okay, what, is it, what does that mean to the church? It means that we have the world coming to us, that we can reach people with the gospel, they can get on fire for the gospel, and they who know the languages and culture and everything can then go back to their countries and minister the gospel. A whole new paradigm has been evolving. And we and, we and the church and mission boards really need to see this. Um, I, I really would love to see mission boards start to take notice and really put a lot of their emphasis on reaching their particular people groups that they're focusing on right here in America, because they're here. We have Portuguese and East Indians, and, and you name the culture, it is here. And one of the most dominant cultures that is the fastest growing religion in America is Islam. And it's here. And yet there's only one missionary per almost two million Muslims here in America, per, for over two, per two million Muslims here in America. So we have, we have a mission field right here, and we need to really start working on that. Uh, Carlos and Miguel Gonzalez worked together as a team. Uh, they have gone through a tough year. They had some individuals in the church that uh, caused some problems, and they've gotten through them. And they're in kind of a rebuilding, refocusing. They were well over 120, 25, 30 people, and now they're back around 100. 
Uh, and so they have refocused or rebuilding, and one of their visions is to plant a daughter church in Lancaster among the Hispanic people group in Lancaster, and you may have heard of some of that because we've included the churches in the Lancaster, Lebanon, uh, well, Harrisburg is really a region unto itself right now, but in the Lancaster, Lebanon region, we've kind of tried to keep you abreast, and they're working on finalizing a report to the churches in the Lancaster, Lebanon area as far as recommendations for uh, planting this church there in Lancaster, this Hispanic church. Well, there he is. He's back on the board. (laughs) He was up there when he was at Hellertown, planting that church, did a successful church plant there, brought it into the denomination, spent two years uh, after it was graduated in stabilizing the church, And the elders there always knew that he was going to go and plant another church. That's part of his DNA. And uh, July 1st, they sent him out, and he officially began with us July 1st. He and his team of about 20 people from the various churches in the Lehigh Valley are now seeking to gather people, and eventually, hopefully within the next six months or so, uh, begin that work as far as uh, services are concerned, public services are concerned. So pray for Tim. Pray for Tim and that he would be able to gather a significant core group that would make up a critical mass that would be able to go public and start services there in Forks Township. It is actually the only evangelical church in that township which is growing uh, exponentially in that area. And so pray that, that he would have that fruit of the Spirit upon him and that unction of the Spirit upon him to gather that core group to, uh, to launch that church there in Forks Township. Scott Wright, another daughter church plant from uh, Harleysville, is down in Lower Providence, and you can pray for him. They've been on a plateau for the past year, similar to what Mark Barninger went through there at Hanover, Pennsylvania, a daughter church plant from our Harrisburg church about five years ago. They reached a particular uh, point and then just plateaued. And they were meeting in a hotel. They didn't have 24-7 visibility. They had limited, uh, limited facility use there in the hotel. And we really approached that by saying, you probably need to move into another property where you have 24-7 visibility and where you can have a better outreach to the community. When they moved over to Dauphin, uh, Dauphin Township, within three months, they doubled their attendance, they doubled their outreach, they, re- they met people in that community, won them to the Lord, brought them into, into the church, and of course, they graduated last year. I think that's probably the same thing that could happen down in Lower Providence. They are looking at a building right now, they're looking at a, it's not a building, but it's a, it's, it's a nice facility uh, to rent. It's uh, be a 24-7 facility for them, right off Route 422, a little bit more south towards King of Prussia, but in a very dynamic, active community. And so please pray that if that's God's will, he'd open that door for them to get that building so that they would have more visibility. And I think that would also draw more people to the ministry down there. Well, Ron up there is that chemical engineer I was telling you about. Uh, Ron uh, got his degrees from Lehigh University, and then he felt the call of the Lord in his life, 
went down to biblical, got his MDiv down at biblical, and for a number of years was tossing back and forth what to do in the kingdom of God. And I can't even remember. I think Ron was just looking at our website or something like that. He called me several years ago. We started a dialogue, and we fashioned a way for him to plant a church uh, from the Newark, Delaware Bible Fellowship Church. This is another daughter church plant. Uh, we, we, we asked him to start attending there, get to know the church. He did. He became a member there, got to know the elders, worked with them, casting the vision for a church in um, Greater Townsend, which is a little bit north of Dover, Delaware, between Smyrna and Dover. So it has outreach to both those large communities. Uh, the church in Newark sent about 20 people down with him, and in about a year and a half, they, they've tripled that. There are over 60 people now, and they just had a wonderful celebration of Ron's ordination. Brother Heller, you met Ron through that ordination process, and uh, uh, it, it, it is really a, a wonderful body of believers growing there in, in, in central uh, Delaware there. Uh, Ron is doing this bivocationally. He spends about two-thirds of his time at his chemical engineering job and about one-third of his time with the church plan. I want you to pray for this concerning Ron. Next year, he's going to flip that around and probably spend almost 40% with his work and 60% with the church plan. So pray that that transition of time and focus, uh, the Lord would really guide him to do that. And then we have Freddie Chi. What a wonderful young, young man and his family. Uh, they lived in Merida, Mexico, and you'll remember that was the site and is the site of our first international Bible fellowship church, La Roca de Merida. And Marcos Ramirez is the pastor of that church, and Marcos has a vision to plant churches all over the Yucatan Peninsula. And he began with this church plant right outside of Merida in a, in a town called Via Magna. You'll see the building that they're renting behind him there. There have been some teams down there from Harleysville and Emmaus who have helped them with that building, who have helped with outreach and so forth. We have a wonderful connection with this international work there and both, with both Marcos and with Freddie. And that's the key for the Bible Fellowship Church, to have these kind of works internationally. Uh, to have a, a person there that strongly believes in the Bible Fellowship Church. And, and, and again, Marcos is so committed to the BFC and so excited about being a part of the BFC. And Freddie has been passed that, uh, he's, uh, Marcos passed that excitement on to Freddie also. And so this is, things are really going well there. I was Skyping with Marcos this past week, and, and Freddie was telling me about uh, his approach to ministry, that they're reaching out to children. They both have experience in children's ministry. And they're gathering 30 children on one night, 30 children another night, and going out then and following the families up in the, in the town there. And now some of those families are coming in. And so, again, I want you to pray for Freddie and Nuri that they would continue to, to approach ministry with that excitement and fervor and see God work in those families of these children to come into the work there. Dan Williams uh, planted the Woodbury, Township, Woodbury, New Jersey Bible Fellowship Church, which was graduated and brought into the denomination about three years ago. 
Dan, like Tim, has a vision to be always involved with church planting. He wanted to embark on a new church plant in Woolwich Township, which he did. He's, he's half-time pastoring the Woodbury Church and half-time planting the church in Woolwich. But he's finding out that that is quite challenging. And he and his family prayed and talked it over, and he's going to spend one more year establishing the church there in Woolwich through 2015, and then go back to full-time pastorate at Woodbury Heights. In this next year and a half, or a year and a quarter, a year and a third, I guess, in this next year and a third, uh, God has to lead us to a man, or a man to us, to go down there, work alongside Dan for the next year, and then take over the church plan in 2016. So that's another big prayer request. Pray for God to lead a man to us, to go down there, work alongside Dan, and be the church planter there in 2016. Now, some projected plants. I told you about the Hispanic plant in Lancaster. We would, we, we've, always, we've had for the last number of years a focus on Delmarva, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia's eastern shore. And uh, we were able to plant the Long Neck Bible Fellowship Church, help out with the Camden Church down there by having Ray Bertolette be part of that for the last four years, helping them out. And also uh, uh, look into other opportunities to reach people with the gospel and plant churches down there. We want to break into Maryland, the state of Maryland. We believe God's leading us there through some families and, and uh, individuals who, from the, these areas of Denton and Elkton. But especially Elkton, because Elkton has 28 families from Elkton attending the Newark, Delaware Bible Fellowship Church. And I have to find the right timing to approach Pastor Schloniker and encourage him to plant another daughter church. We'll see how the Holy Spirit works in all that. So you can pray about that. Pray that the Newark, Delaware Bible Fellowship Church would be open to the idea of, you, of sending some of those people that they have coming from Elkton back into Elkton to plant a church there. A good Bible Fellowship Church is needed in Elkton. We're doing the demographic studies now. We just got done doing the ecclesiastical study there. And I believe a good Bible Fellowship Church is needed there in that Elkton community. Denton only has a population of about 5,000. Elkton has a population of 45,000. So pray for that. We also, uh, church extension is three-pronged. It's first and foremost prong is involved with pioneer church planting. And so that's, that's what we put to the forefront, planting new churches. But we also are called upon when there are connections to be made with other churches. I, I didn't mention, let me stop for a second. There's also, last week, we, two weeks ago, Tim Zook and I spent a whole day with a man from Amherstburg, Ontario, Canada, who's planning a church out of his home. We assessed him. We're working and praying and trying to think about how we can associate with him. He wants to be a Bible Fellowship Church. His son is a pastor in the Bible Fellowship Church. Alan Mickle Jr. is his son, who is the new pastor up at Cornerstone Bible Fellowship Church in New York. That's the way this man heard about us, his father. They went to seminary together. That, that was really interesting to hear that story. But Alan Mickle Sr. has meeting with a group in his home there in Amherstburg, Canada, 
and would like to be a Bible Fellowship Church. We're going to have to work on that. Please pray for wisdom on how that will come about. But getting back here to, okay, first prong is for us to plant new Bible Fellowship Churches. Second, we are also the, the point person when it comes to a church outside the BFC that wants to become a church in the BFC. Mark Morrison, my assistant and I, uh, assistant and I were last Wednesday up in Staten Island, New York. Uh, we got a contact there from Ralph Ritter over at our Brooklyn church about a small church there in Staten Island, and the, and the pastor there who's older wants to see this church be a Bible fellowship church and thus us help him to bring a young man on board and reach that community in Staten Island. I think the community is called Oak Brook. It's near the New York Bay. As a matter of fact, when Hurricane Sandy went through there, the church building that they're in is just a small building, was filled up the water to the second floor. And the interesting story about that is that everything in the first floor floated away except for one thing. What do you think that one thing was? Not, not close, something that holds the Bible. The pulpit. And the, the pastor there said, I'm not a mystical type of guy, but when I saw that pulpit floating around in the water in our sanctuary, I thought God wants that pulpit to stay here. He wants the preaching of God's word to stay here in this part of Staten Island. What a tremendous story. Uh, but we also are involved with connecting with churches that want to come in and be part of us. The third prong of our ministry is to work with reviving churches and, and helping those churches that are struggling and in decline. We don't do a lot of that because it takes a lot of resources, time, and energy, and the results are very limited. So we, we used to do some of that. Now we just do it. We're kind of particular in, in, in what ch- church we will work with to help bring back. We had to work with the Long Neck Bible Fellowship Church a couple years ago because of the fact that it was in our target area and it had, it had a, a great investment in the land and the building and everything. And when the denomination asked us if we would try to revive this work, uh, we were willing to do that. And so for the past two years, that church, which had about 18 people left, a remnant group that was wobbling back and forth at that time, all the leaders had walked out because of doctrinal differences, uh, and we were about ready to close it. But we went down there, and we taught this people. I went down there every Sunday for eight weeks, taught them what we believed. They weren't even aware of what we believed. The elders never really taught them what we believed. We taught them what we believed, and at the end of that teaching of eight weeks, they said, how can we argue with this? This is scripture. And so they stuck on, they committed to stay on. And Mark Morrison went down there for about a year and helped bring that work back up to some viability to about 35, 40 people, uh, to a point where we were going to take a step out and, um, and try to raise funds to call a man there. And God led us to Andy Barnes here. Andy Barnes and his family came from Florida. His father-in-law is Dick Bickings, who is the associate pastor up at the Bethlehem Bible Fellowship Church. He heard about this opportunity, and God just blended this marriage together with him and us. And he's been down there for a little over a year, and the work is now over 50, 60 people, becoming a very viable church again down there in that area. So we praise God for that. But that's another prong of ministry that a church extension does. Ray Bertolette helps us as assistant. He has been out 
uh, helping with uh, Camden Bible Fellowship Church in Delaware for the last four years. We seconded him there part-time to help keep that church going. And uh, just recently, we worked with that church uh, with a man that is getting credentials with us. His name's Dan Wagner. Uh, he was issued a call. He's answering that call, and he'll be down there. As a matter of fact, he officially did start July 1st uh, down there. So pray for Dan Wagner, and that he would uh, really, he's going to do this bivocationally, and pray that he would really have the power of the Spirit to, to help this church down there. Rave's now back with us full-time. He's our property manager. He has 20 years of construction management uh, experience, plus six years of being in Guam uh, as a missionary with TWR, Trans World Radio. Ray has, is a jack of all trades, and he's a wonderful man to have on board to help us in so many different ways. Marcos Ramirez, this past year, we appointed him to be the director of church planting ministry for the BFC in the Mexico. These are those graduation criteria. For a mission church to, become received, to be received into annual conference, it has to have at least two men who are qualified to be elders other than the planter. It has to have at least 20 adult participants, committed participants, who will be the charter members of the church, and it has to be fully financially self-supporting. So that is that criteria. So, let's close. Pray and praise God for your church planting mission and your church planters in church extension ministries. I'd like you to turn to Micah chapter 7 as we close today. Micah close, uh, concludes his, his prophetic voice here in the Old Testament uh, in chapter 7, beginning of verse 7. We're not going to look at those passages necessarily. We're going to go down to verse 18. Uh, but Micah, uh, first of all, closes his prophetic vision off here with, with really this last section of, of, of a focus on the salvation that this great God has given to us and the light of wisdom that comes from that salvation. And he closes his prophetic statement here in verses 18 through 20 with this praise and prayer, this kind of coupling of praise and prayer together. Pra praise in the Bible, go back to that other slide for a second if you can. Next, one before that. Praise in the Bible comes in two forms. First of all, praise to God, which is prayer praise, praise directly, and praise, which is praise that goes directly to the Lord, and praise about God, proclamation praise, directly to the ears of others to hear, bragging on the Lord. Go back to the slide before this. I think we may, have, yeah, right there. You know, often when we, when we come before the Lord, we're usually dynamic in prayer, but maybe not so dynamic in praise. I may not be speaking to uh, everyone here regarding that. Maybe you're, you have a good balance in your devotional life with God. I know I have to watch myself so I don't get too caught up in petition prayers. That everything I'm saying in my communion with God is, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. And so... There's a time, there are usually one or two times a month where I will just praise God in my communion with him. And you know, there's a great temptation when you get down, in your, well, I get down on my knees and, and speak to the Lord. Uh, there's a great temptation to just kind of urges you to want to ask him for something, want to petition him for something. 
But I suggest try just praising God in your prayer life sometime. And just go down through the list, praising for family matters, praising for family, praising for job, praising for the country you live in, and, and just go down through that. And I find myself in those occasions when I just dedicate that time with the Lord to just praising Him, I find myself on my knees a lot longer when I'm just praying petition prayers. Because there's so much to praise God for. J.I. Packer says it this way in his book, Growing in Grace. He says, prayer and praise are like a bird's two wings. With both working, you soar. With one out of action, you're earthbound. But birds should not be earthbound, nor Christians praiseless. What a great statement, isn't it? So let me encourage you to have a balance of praise and prayer, whether it's petition or whatever it might be, in your prayer life. And Micah does that when he concludes his prophetic statement here. He goes back and forth with praise and prayer. In, Matthew, in Micah chapter 7, verse 18, who is a God like you? He's talking to the Lord. He's praising the Lord. Who is a God like you who pardons the iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? And then he kind of changes his focus of praise here to the things that the Lord does. Proclamation praise. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have a compassion on us. He will tread on our iniquities underfoot. And then he goes back to prayer praise again, where he says, yes, you, God, will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. All right, I'm going to leave you with this application of praising God and praying in terms of church extension. I've given you prayer requests along here. I want to give you some more general prayer requests. Praise God for all your church planters and the church extension staff. Praise God for his ongoing provision of funds and resources and And we just are so amazed at how God provides. Fourteen years ago, when I began this ministry, we had a budget of around $210,000. This past year, our budget was close to a million dollars. And if you were to corner me tonight and say, well, where did you get all that money? It was from the Lord. It was from these new church planters that come in. It was from the education we've given to the the Bible Fellowship Church about the, the, the need, the vitalness, of planting churches, and God has provided over these years and blessed us. Praise God for the souls being saved through your church plants. I mentioned earlier that church planting is evangelistic. It's intentionally evangelistic, and these men have a fervor for winning souls to Christ. Praise God for the leaders being raised up in the church plants. We see men being raised up that got saved in these church plants over the last few years, and now they're being raised up by God to be recognized as leaders in the church. And praise God for that. Praise God for the blessings that come with seeing baby churches grow and mature to be reproducing BFC churches, reproducing BFC churches. The church plants that we have now have a DNA, a spiritual DNA being built in them that in the future, they are the first thing they're going to look at is when can we plant a daughter church? When can we move out and reproduce? 
And that is a fervent part of their missiological thrust for the days ahead. But also pray. You've you've received those prayer requests that I've given you tonight. Pray for more men to plant, especially Hispanic men. Pray for the Lord to provide the necessary resources we need to meet the ongoing opportunities we have to plant. Uh, we, We have another work that we're dealing with up in Bangor, Pennsylvania, Uh, a small work. The church planner approached us, really wants to become part of the Bible Fellowship Church. We have opportunities like this knocking on our doors left and right, and we need the resources to make those connections. Uh, Pray for your present church plans to meet the criteria for graduation, and pray for the BFC to intentionally become a force for the gospel, one of the fastest growing mission fields in the world, America. Thank you for letting me be with you tonight. I hope you learned a little bit more about church planting. I hope you see how your church planters in the Bible Fellowship Church are actively seeking to expand the kingdom of God through evangelism and the gathering of people to worship him. So let me close with prayer tonight. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the time we had this evening. And Father, the, the, the work of the gospel that is at the heart of your redemptive plan and purpose, and that is reaching people through evangelism and building up new churches where they will become, be made from, uh, they will be transformed from, from converts to disciples. And so, Lord, uh, this is your enterprise, Father. Continue to bless it. Give us men to start new works. Give us the resources to support them. And, Father, may we see that not only affect individual people's lives, but like it did in Antioch when it turned the entire city upside down. And today, Father, we don't think of Antioch as an immoral pagan center. We think of Antioch as becoming the center of biblical study and biblical archaeological history. Father, throw your spirit through us so that we would see people saved and the communities they lived in affected and influenced by the power of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the time this evening together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe you're dismissed.